good morning. It's great to be back with you at Renaissance. And um, man, what a great worship set this morning. Ian, great song. That, that line, we were meant to live for so much more, really is what we're going to talk about this morning. But it's such an honor to be back with you. I have the privilege this week of having my wife with me. It's her first time at Renaissance. And her name's Connie. And uh, just uh, my lifelong friend and partner in ministry, and we are so blessed and glad to be with you. We, she and I have been married this year for 35 years. So as you can tell, we got married when we were 11. Um, thank you for that. Uh, but uh, it's an honor to be here. And, you know, as I've been praying about sort of the message this week, I really do believe that this moment, this half hour, could be a catalytic moment for some of us. That what you hear and maybe some of what you will think about and decisions that you will make out of this morning could literally change the trajectory of your life. And I know that's a lot to think could happen in such a short time. But I, I really believe that that could happen. Because we're going to talk about how to discover your destiny. You know, if you, if you get real quiet and you listen you can almost hear the sweep of the second hand that's ticking down for all of us. Because the truth is, as you and I sit here this morning, the second hand of life is ticking down for you and for me. The meter's running, and there's no way for you and I to stop it. It just keeps going on. The truth is, all of us are terminal. They did a survey among college students uh, a few years ago, and they asked them an interesting question. They said, if you could know the day of your death, would you want to know? So let me just take a little straw poll. How many of you, if you could know when you were going to die, would like to know the day? Can I see your hand? Oh, wow, okay, more in this service, but still a very small number. You know how many college students said, no, I wouldn't want to know? 87%. And here's the reason why. I think inside all of us, there's something in us that really would rather live in denial about our mortality. I just don't like to think about the fact that this life is not going to keep going on. I don't like to think about the fact that I'm not always going to be here. But Solomon reminds us of that sobering truth in Ecclesiastes 8 when he says, None of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power prevent the day of our death. Solomon says it differently in the Bible when he says, our days are numbered. The Lord has numbered our days. Now he's not revealed his spreadsheet, has he? He's not told us how many days you have, but the Bible says that you have an appointed time in this life. You don't know the number of days I have. I don't know the number of days that you have, but one thing I'm absolutely sure of is I have less days today than I did yesterday. Because the meter is running and time is clicking down even as we speak this morning. And there's a departed or a time that God has uh, uh, appointed for your departure. There's no bargaining, no negotiating, no bartering. Uh, the, the departure flight of your life off of this planet is set and it's not going to be delayed. God has said you're going to live a certain number of days. So you didn't get a choice about when you were born or where you were born. Or to who you would be born to. You don't get a choice necessarily about when or how you're going to die. But what you do have a lot of say in is what you're going to do in between. 
God has given you this incredible gift called life. And it has purpose behind it. And he wants you to live it his way. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because you and I are not here by random chance. If you believe the Bible at all, you believe that there is a God in heaven who controls the affairs of the world. That when he breathed life into your body, he also breathed purpose into you. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And I want to take you to start to a verse in the 10th chapter of John in the 10th verse. Jesus is speaking, and here's what he says. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give you rich and satisfying life. Don't you love those words? Jesus said, part of the reason I came was, yes, to die on the cross and deal with the problem of man's sinfulness. But beyond that, he said, I also came so that you would understand how to maximize your life, how to get the most of it, how to live a rich and satisfying life. But if you believe the first part of the verse, you understand that it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen. You don't drift into a great life. There's an enemy, the Bible says, and, and that enemy would love to rob and steal and kill and destroy, and he robs us in a lot of different ways. He robs us through busyness and through distraction, through relational problems, through behavioral choices, through our addictions. And many people end up not having a rich and satisfying life. They end up empty and hurt and in a train wreck because they didn't do it God's way. Well, I have a feeling that if we were to take the microphone around and talk to some of you, you might kind of describe your life as this, like, man, my life is full. I, I'm busy. I'm up early. I go to bed late. I have lots of demands, emails, work projects, kids to take care of, uh, relationships to sustain, and my life is full. But when I drop in bed at night, sometimes it just doesn't feel very fulfilling. And even though my life is busy and I have a lot going on, sometimes it can just feel overwhelming and overloaded and sometimes I wonder to myself, is this really what life is about? Is this the life that I was meant to live? And that's a great question. And it's one that we ponder a lot, right? Because we want meaning in our life. We want purpose. And no matter how smart your cat or dog is this morning, they're not sitting at home pondering the meaning of life. They're not trying to figure out you know, what they can do to be more significant or to live out their purpose only humans has God given us this ability and sometimes it's a blessing and sometimes it feels like an affliction this blessing of trying to discover what is it that gives meaning in life and so I want to talk to you and kind of give you four principles that I think would help all of us in sort of focusing in on how do we discover our destiny so here we go here's number one I must steward well my one and only life I mean, you've got to lean into the fact that you're not here by random chance or by coincidence, but you have been given this incredible gift, a stewardship called life, and I want to live it well, and so I'm going to lean into that and make sure that I live it well. A few years ago, I went through um, a life planning process, and the guy who kind of established this training was a guy who takes this point very seriously. So let me tell you just a little bit about his story. His name is Tom Patterson, and... Um, Tom is sort of a, a very interesting guy. The best way I would know to describe Tom today, he's in his late 80s. He lives in Colorado. And um, he's sort of like a Yoda. 
I mean, he's this little short guy. He shuffles when he walks. He's got gray hair. He doesn't say a lot, but when he says something, you want to listen. Because Tom is, God has given Tom this incredible gift with systems. And he has this very intriguing career. Many years ago, he worked with the Reagan Commission in China. Um, he has some early patents in the whole ATM technology. Um, people have said that what Peter Drucker is to business theory, Tom is to business practice. Uh, he worked with NASA for a while. In fact, he was part of the discussions when they were going to land on the moon. Uh, NASA's original idea was, was that it would be a totally automated landing, but it was Tom who in the meeting said, I think we need a person in the module and sort of made the case for who would eventually become Neil Armstrong being in the module that would land on the moon. Uh, Tom was good friends with Roy Disney, and when they were... Uh, Building out Disney World, Tom bid on a contract for some of their electronic systems. And Roy said to him, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the contract on one condition, that you give me the schematics for a ride that Tom had designed that we now know as Space Mountain. So this guy's had an intriguing career. He's also had a lot of personal pain. Uh, both of his wives have died of cancer. Two of his children were killed tragically and unexpectedly. But back in the day, Tom was a strategic planner. And he used to work with a lot of big corporations um, and did strategic planning process with them. And in those days, the planning process was long and cumbersome and usually resulted in a big fat notebook that nobody did anything with. So one CEO of a Fortune 500 company looked at Tom and said, if you can reduce the process down to a week and you can make it where it's actually um, implementable, will hire you. So Tom went back to the drawing board and the result was this thing called now the Stratop. And the Stratop is a strategic planning process but that has a strong operational bent to it. And now it has served many companies and corporations and churches around the world. Well, when Tom began to do Stratops, he discovered something. As good and as important as it is to help companies be more profitable, to have clear plans about their future, to open up new markets. As important as that is, Tom realized that CEOs and leaders and moms and dads need the same kind of intentionality about their life that companies have about their corporations. And so Tom crafted this thing called the life plan process. And I think there's a, a principle behind it. And the principle is that God has entrusted to you this life and maybe you and I ought to start looking at our lives like our own corporation now you may not own your business but let me tell you what business you own you own the business of running your own life in fact maybe you and I should start thinking about just when we introduce ourselves that you say hey listen I'm the president of Lance Inc I have a corporation that I run it doesn't have many employees but it's a very important corporation. And for you to just put on the end of your name that those three little letters, I-N-C, and to run your life with the same kind of focus and intentionality because that's your reality. You see, Jesus didn't die for your business, but he did die for you. Your business isn't created in God's image, but, but you are. Jesus didn't promise your corporation a rich and satisfying life, but he did promise that to you if you would do life his way. Now there's this great um, passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30 
where the Lord says to the nation of Israel, if you would return to me, I want to offer you this blessed life. He says, if you'll come back to me, um, I'll, I'll put you back in the land. I'll protect you from your enemies. I'll increase your number. I'll make you prosperous. He says in Deuteronomy 30, I will delight in you and you'll delight in me. And so he, he holds out his hand and says, I want to offer you this blessed life. But then in verse 11, listen to what he says. He says, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you and it's not beyond your reach. In fact, he says, it's not like it's up in the heaven and someone has to get up on a ladder and go up to heaven and bring it back. Or he says, it's not like it's across the ocean and someone has to get in a boat and go and bring it back. He says, no, in verse 14, it's near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. You know what I take from those verses? God says this, I'm offering you this rich and satisfying, blessed life, but you've got to take personal responsibility. You've got to take ownership that this is your life and how you live it and the choices you make are going to determine the kind of life that you're going to live. Own it for yourself. You know, I know that some of us who are here this morning, uh, you have had a hard past. Maybe a difficult family life growing up. Maybe some kind of abuse or situation in your life. Or maybe, you know, you've sort of just had everything handed to you and you've had lots of success and prosperity in your life. Here's what I want all of us to understand. I have to own my own life. I'm not a victim. In fact, if you're a Christ follower, the Bible says that God has broken everything in your past. You are a new creation. You now have the ability to live a brand new life with brand new values but you've got to steward it. And that's a key word, this word stewardship. You see, stewardship says, I didn't invent it. I didn't create it. I'm not a self-made man. Any gift I have, anything I have, comes from the hand of God. But he's entrusted it to me. And now I'm a steward. I've given, I have this valuable thing called life. And what I do with it matters. In fact, the Bible says, someday I'm going to be accountable for what I did with it. And I'm going to stand before God and he's going to ask me this question. What did you do with what I gave you? And so how I live matters. And I've got to steward it well. Well, there's a second part, I think, to discovering your destiny. And that is, you've got to understand who you are. You've got to discover your unique design and your unique purpose. Now, as we think about this from a biblical standpoint, it's not really something you just dream up or manufacture as much as it is something that you discover. Because you have a creator, you have a designer, and that designer designed you for a specific purpose. So take, for example, your watch. Your watch is designed and made because it has a purpose, and the purpose is telling time. And the design of it gives us hints into what its purpose really is. And the same thing is true for you. How God designed you, how he wired you, what you're passionate about, what you're good at, what other people recognize in you, where you've seen fruitfulness and success in your life, what talents you have, all of those things are clues about the purpose that God has for you and what he wants you to do with your life. You remember the movie years ago, um, Chariots of Fire? There was a guy named Eric Little who um, actually was a believer and was headed off to be a missionary, but he did something really well, and that is he ran fast. And there's this scene in the movie where he's actually on his way to the Olympics and is going to run in the Olympics, and his sister is really kind of chiding him because she thinks he is 
frivolous about this and um, kind of frittering his life away and she wants him to go on and get busy in his career. And then here's what Eric Little says. He said, God made me to run and when I run, I feel his pleasure. What is it that when you do it, you feel like this is what I was made to do? God made me to do this. And even when I do this, I actually sense God's pleasure because this is what I was designed to do. And when you discover that, it is so fulfilling. But I think there are a lot of us running around and we're not sure who we are because we got messages from our parents that told us we were one thing and from a teacher or a coach that told us something else and maybe a spouse who keeps trying to put us in this certain box. And the truth is we're often confused about who we are and even who we're not. And if you're going to discover your destiny, you have to understand who are you? What did God make you to do? Because you have a unique DNA, a unique fingerprint, a unique personality, a unique combination of gifts, and all of that together makes you unbelievably unique. In fact, Paul says it like this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. David said in Psalm 139, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You know what I notice in both of those passages? It all starts with God. It all starts with God, you made me. You created me. You designed me. You put all of this in me. So now, God, what, what is my purpose? But it begins with understanding that you are created in the image of God, that your life matters. Understanding your gifts and values and what God put in you. And, and understanding that helps you understand your purpose. Now, to do this well, let me give you kind of three thoughts that will help shape how you go along this journey of discovering you, your unique purpose. Number one is you have to take a holistic view of life. Now, we know that life has many different domains to it. But you have one life. But that one life has several domains. You have your personal domain. This is, this is me and Jesus. This is how I lead myself. This is the personal side of my life. But then there's my family relationships and my friendships, my vocation, my relationship in the community, all these different domains. And here's what I know. You, if you're going to have a great destiny, you have to look at all those domains of your life because all of us know people who, man, they're great on the job. They're getting promoted one job right after another. All their numbers are up and to the right. But at home, it's a train wreck. Or they have a broken relationship with their kids or secret addictions and ultimately it ends up ruining their whole life because they were paying attention to one domain of their life but not all domains. And so you've got to have a holistic view of life. Secondly, you need to discern how your past informs your future. How does your past inform your future? Do you remember years ago there was this game, I don't know if they still play it, do you remember the game Clue? Any of you play that game? Yeah? Okay, a lot of us. A lot of old people in the room. Great. Um, do you remember though in Clue, you know, there had been a crime that had been committed and you were kind of like the investigator. You were the detective, right? And you were trying to figure out from the clues who committed the murder, what weapon they used, and what room it was committed in, right? 
And so I remember how excited I would be when, you know, the clues would start to come in and I would start to figure it out. And then you would sort of make that declaration, you know, it was Colonel Mustard with the candlestick in the ballroom. Well, I think God wants you to sort of investigate your life in the same way. That there are clues that God is giving you by your experience and your story that help you understand even what he wants you to do in the future. You've had experiences, life-shaping experiences, turning points in your life that when you look back over your story, you can see how God has been preparing you to do what you're doing now. You know, I look back at my life, I'm 55. And I look back and now what I'm doing is I coach pastors and train leaders around the country and, and coach people in their lives. I look back and go, wow, all the way through there are these threads and experiences that God has been using to prepare me to do what I do now. And, and the same is true for you. I think about a friend of mine, John Baker. Uh, he and I served together when I was in, on a staff in California. And John would openly tell you that he was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. And then he had an encounter with Christ. And that changed his life. But John felt like God wanted to use his past to help other people with their future. So he started this ministry called Celebrate Recovery and now literally around the world hundreds of thousands of people gather every week to work through a process on how to get recovery from their addictions. And so God had used something that was painful in John's past to help him understand what he wanted him to do in the future. And for some of us, maybe your highest purpose and greatest ministry will be the thing that has caused the most pain in your life. But God wants to redeem it and use it to help other people. So your past can inform your future. And then the third principle I would give you is this. You must discover the must-do of your life. All right, so imagine your life is sort of like a, a target. And the bullseye is the must-do of your life. And you want to keep moving your life to where the laser focus is on what it is that I must do that I... I have to do this in my life or I would feel like I was being disobedient to God. Now, the truth is there's a lot of options, a lot of things that you can do with your life, but you need to discover what's the must do. So a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of uh, doing uh, a life plan for Murph and um, we knew each other, but man, we really got acquainted through this process. And so I thought it might be helpful to have uh, him answer a couple of questions and um, kind of talk a little bit about his experience. So Murph, just at that point in your life, sort of what's going on, where are you at? You know, if we could have looked inside your life and soul, um, what brought you to that point so that you said, man, I, I need to get some focus and clarity around what I'm supposed to do with my life? Yeah, well, my life plan happened about uh, 18, 19 months ago. Uh, my father had passed away. I was in my early 50s. I was about to become a grandfather. I had a lot of life change happening, kind of you call it a midlife crisis. I had an identity crisis. I had such success uh, you know, in my music career. Then I got into ministry. I was at an extremely large church and had seen all the success for so many years, almost well, 11 years at that point, almost 12 years. And, but I found I was at a place where I'd kind of lost my identity, and I felt like there had to be something more to, to the future. And so I was kind of stuck in this place. And this whole sense of dealing with my father's death, I had a counselor that shared with me something. Uh, my dad, who was an incredible pastor and husband, father, he was my hero. And, he, and she said to me, she goes, Michael, I think what God would say to you is that your father's shoes fit you. You need to put them on and wear them. 
And so this whole thing of kind of accepting the role of father, of becoming the sage, now that I was in my 50s, uh, it was kind of a difficult journey to begin to accept. And so as I went through the life plan process, um, it helped me identify these things that were in my past that God, just as Lance was sharing, to prepare me actually for being here at Renaissance and uh, to be a part of this incredible church. And uh, Renaissance is very much like how I grew up, the church I grew up in. Uh, but it really did help me look at my life and help me identify those talents, those uh, core values to me to help kind of ref guide my future. All right, so let me put you on the spot. What's the must-do of your life? Well, what came of one of the greatest things about the life plan process is that you, you walk away with two big ideas. One is your purpose. What is your purpose for your life? Which mine was to reflect the heart of God and help others experience the heart of God. And my life mission, what I must be doing, was to be a father who pours into the personal, spiritual, and ministry lives of leaders. Um, that became the defining factor. In fact, I had, after my life plan, I had about three or four opportunities uh, for jobs that um, came my way. One being a record company president job, and which I loved the music industry, but I filtered that through that what I must be doing. It didn't line up. And when the, when the opportunity came to Renaissance, it is completely lined up to be able to pour into the personal, spiritual, ministry lives of leaders. And to be that father, which is, means to be that kind of sage, that older guy. And uh, I want to do that. One really amazing thing is uh, right after my father passed away, my mother gave me a pair of his shoes, um, a pair of Cole Han loafers that he had bought right before his death. So they were literally brand new. And I've been holding on to them. And, I, you know, the first Sunday that I, my first Sunday here at Renaissance, I, I put them on and I wore them symbolically to be here. So it really meant a lot to me um, how God would use that life plan in my life to kind of set this new season of my life up. That's awesome. Thanks. Great Thank story, you. huh? Um, Here's the point. You getting clear about what is the must-do of your life will help you to know what to say no to. Because you'll be able to say no because now there is a higher yes inside of your life. When you understand, this is what I was made to do and I don't want to get distracted from that. That's what I must live out. And so you've got to discover this unique purpose and, and design that God has given you. Then number three is this. You have to also um, be focused and tenacious. What I know about life, what I know about my own life, is it is so easy to get distracted. And again, I want you to make sure you get this. You will never, ever, ever drift into a great life. You won't just stumble upon it. You won't just kind of float into it. You have to decide, I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to be intentional about it. I'm going to, with laser focus, put my life toward it. There's this great passage in Philippians 3 when the Apostle Paul is sort of talking about his credentials and his resume. And then he says, all those things, he says, I count as loss because I've discovered the must-do of my life. And that was serving Jesus Christ. And he had this encounter with Christ that radically turned his life upside down. And he says, all those things just don't matter to me anymore. And he says, I'm pressing in and forward. And then in verse 14, he says, this one thing I do. You can almost hear the sense of conviction like, this is what I'm made for. This is my purpose. This is why God put me on planet Earth. And it's going to take you and I having that same kind of tenacity to really make sure that it happens. So let me give you a word of warning. I think you and I need to be aware of the seductive pull of the world system. You see, when you become a Christ follower, you now have a different set of values. 
It's not just about how much money you make or where you live or the kind of car you drive or the place that you vacation anymore. You have a different set of values, a set of kingdom values because now you're in God's family. And yet all around us is this world system that, that has a seductive gravitational pull in our lives. And unless we have intentionality and focus, we will find ourselves getting off base, off track. That's why it's so important that you become a student of God's word and understand his plan, his purposes, his values in your life because the world system will bully you, will deceive you, will put pressure on you and unless you have the anchor of truth and a relationship with God that is life-giving, you will find yourself getting off track. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So you've got to choose to steward it well. You've got to discover your, your, your unique design and purpose. And then you have to come to this issue of, what about planning and trusting God? What, what, how does that work together? And, and again, I think this is really important. Like, is it okay? Does God say it's okay for me to plan out my life? Or do I, should I just kind of walk each day uh, trusting that the Holy Spirit will show me what I'm supposed to do? There's this tension in the Bible and in life between planning and trusting. In fact, Proverbs 19.21 says this, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Have you ever noticed that sometimes God doesn't follow your plans? Isn't that frustrating, right? I mean, I've got my plan and then God all of a sudden interrupts my plan. So I think here's the point. The Bible is fine with planning. The Bible encourages planning. The Bible even tells you how to make sure your plans succeed. But the Bible would always tell you, make sure that you hold your, hand, your plans like this. With open hand to say, okay God, sometimes for reasons I won't understand, your purposes may trump my plan and that's okay. I remember one time when that happened to me when I was 47 years old, eight years ago now. I was in what I thought was my dream job. I was in the place that I thought we would stay the rest of our ministry and someday retire there. I just couldn't imagine a better fit for who I was and what I wanted to do with my life. And things began to change. Things began to change in the church where I served. Things began to change inside of me and in our family. And the long story short is... We began to have a clear sense that God was calling us to step out from where we are and leave. And it was my dream job. It wasn't my plan to leave. But God interrupted my plans and put us in a place where we stepped away. And honestly, there were seasons where it seemed confusing and I didn't know what was going on. But now looking back on these last eight years, I am so grateful that God interrupted my plan because his purpose was better than my plan. You know, James talks about it like this. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. So you could write over verse 13 the word plan. I got a plan. I've got a plan about my travels. I got a plan about my business. I got a plan about how we're going to make money. And then in verse 14 it says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, 
we will live and then we'll do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil. There's nothing wrong with plans, but you just got to leave room for God in your plans. There's a scene in Braveheart when William Wallace is going to be executed the next day. And his lover comes to him and she's begging him to recant, thinking that maybe if he recants, the king would at least spare his life. And Wallace makes this great statement when he says, all men die, but not all men truly live. And so my question for you is, what does it look like for you to truly live? What kind of changes would you have to make what kind of process do you need to engage? Maybe you need to step back and spend some time thinking and reflecting and praying and seeking good advice on what is it that I'm really made to do? What is my purpose in life? For some of us, the first step is you got to be in relationship with the one who made you. To really discover your purpose, you got to know the designer. And maybe you're right now in this exploratory phase where you're kind of saying, I'm not sure what I think about Christianity or the Bible or, or this church. That's great. Just glad you're in the process. And if you'd like to talk with one of us afterwards, it would be an honor to talk with you about how we've been on that faith journey and where we've come to. For some of you, you, you know Christ, but it's a confusing season and you've just got to get some clarity about where you're going with your life. And my encouragement to you is lean into it because let me remind us, you only get one shot at this life. So steward it well. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you have created us, that you have made us in your image and that you have given us life and breath and purpose and now Lord we get to steward that life and you've held out to us this life of blessing and offered it to us you've promised us a rich and satisfying life if we would do it your way so Lord I pray for all of us that we would lean into that that we'd make the hard decisions that we'd not be distracted that we'd, uh, we would understand who we, were, who we are, that we would live with focus and tenacity, that our lives would fulfill its purpose. And that, Lord, we would not get to the end of life and just look back with regret, but we would look back with gratitude for all that you've given us, all that you've done in us and through us. So we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you leave today, let me just um, remind you of one thing. Next week, Pastor Rich is going to begin a series called Peace in the Midst of Chaos. Uh, we all understand we live in an uncertain world, and he's going to talk about how do you have peace even when everything around you is chaos. So invite a friend, bring them with you, come back next week as that great series begins. Have a great weekend. God bless you.